Thanks for listening to the Pioneer Valley Church podcast. Our hope is that what you hear encourages your faith in the way of Jesus and inspires you to participate in what God is up to in the world. God bless. All right, so we're finishing up this series uh, today, Love One Another. But of course, we are never going to finish up the idea of loving one another, right? Like, this is, we're always going to be learning about this. This is the work of the Christian, uh, to learn to love one another. Because if you decided to follow Jesus and not just be part of a Christian club or organization, but if you decided to follow Jesus, his role in your life is to shape, to form your character and behavior more into his likeness so that you can love well. That is the goal of our faith, of our Christianity, um, so that we can love as he has loved, he says, so that we can love others as we love ourselves, he says, so that we can love even our enemies as he has loved us, he says. This is the goal. And so this will always be what our work is about. We're never going to get past this. We may talk about other things in the meantime, but we are always going to be working on loving one another. And someday when that final rest with Christ comes and, and he returns for his, the fullness of his kingdom and the new creation, he is going to present us before the Father in the Holy Spirit. And it will be a kingdom that reigns in love. And so now in this time, we have the opportunity to practice, to learn, to, to train ourselves to love God and to love others well as a community and to offer ourselves as Jesus offers himself to the world to offer ourselves to others, um, even in our own brokenness, even in our, our failures or our weaknesses to offer ourselves. And so it's been a great series. Um, uh, we're going to keep talking about it. We've been also exploring this idea of what God's up to the last five months or so. And uh, we've talked about a lot of things. We talked about being a community that reflects the image of God. You guys remember that? This new community, this Imago Day. We talked about, you know, um, loving where we live and, and taking on the idea of, hey, we got to love from where we are and our station in life and our cities and our jobs and our whatever and love where we live, love the people that we're with in our neighborhoods, in these places. We talked about, as Galen said, slowing down a little bit to be with God, to fill up from God so that we can give away God in this life. And, uh, and now, obviously, we're talking about loving one another. Um, Along the way, though, I think many of us have had conversations and we've sensed that God is, um, God is moving towards change in some ways, right? Mm-hmm. There are changes that are happening in many of us individually. I've had so many great conversations over this last month in this series of people going, man, something's happening inside of me and I don't even know what to do with it. And I'm like, I don't know what to do with it either. Just keep going. <laughs> like, just keep talking about it, keep praying, keep working it out in community, keep going to God. Um, but we're even noticing that as a community, as a congregation, things starting to shift. We're thinking about mission a little bit differently or a little bit more expansively. We're, we're thinking about our neighbors. How we think about our neighbors is even evolving, yeah. right? Um, we are thinking about where, where God is trying to develop us personally in our discipleship further, a little bit more maybe meaningfully than we have in the past or, or with more clarity. Um, things are shifting and changing, and that's okay. Change is okay. Um, Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to read a couple passages for you really quickly here. I'll turn this on. 
Oh, let me read this first. No, let me read this first, the second one. There it is. This is supposed to be the second. Um, Colossians chapter 3, verse 10. Uh, Paul says this, And having put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in knowledge after the image of its creator, there is a renewing that, un- that you undergo as a follower of Jesus to become like your, the image of your creator. That's the, this is what I'm talking about. We're, we're, the goal of your Christian faith is to become more like Christ. In Romans 12, he says, don't be conformed by this world, but be what? Transformed by the renewal of your mind that, you may, that, that, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. 2 Corinthians 3, 8, he says, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And so the goal, again, is that actually in the Christian life, it should be filled with change. Your Christian walk should be filled with transformation, filled with renewal, continuing. You should be more like Jesus today than the day you started. And increasingly so, the older you get in this life. The older disciples among us lead us. What does it look like to be more and more like Christ? The goal of our Christian, Christian life is change. It yeah. is maturing. It is transforming yeah. to be more like Jesus. This was the slide I was going to show next. This is a, a quote from a, a, a marriage and family therapist, Esther Perel. I don't, uh, I don't know her. I know she's written some stuff, so I'm not, I'm not advocating for any of her literature, but I love what uh, she says here. Most people are going to have two or three marriages or committed relationships in their adult life. Some of us will have them with the same person. What's the point? The point is is that you change over time. And so does your spouse if you're married, right? You are not who you were. They are not who you were, who they were. And so you have to keep getting to know each other. And keep changing and keep growing and keep learning, right? Uh, If you've been married for 25 years and your relationship hasn't evolved, then it's probably devolved, right? It's probably gotten worse over time. Uh, If the high watermark of your marriage was year three and you keep looking back to try to get to year three, you're chasing something that doesn't exist. Because in year three, for whatever good things were there, there were also some not so good things because year three led to year four, which led to year five, which led to where you are now, right? The point is, is that relationships aren't stagnant. They keep changing. They keep growing. They keep, we have to keep being flexible and adaptive and learning and getting to know one another. And just like a marriage, our relationship to our faith and our relationship to the church changes over time. Um, at least it should be changing over time, if you're doing it right. Um, if you haven't changed since year three of your faith, the same problems exist. You're stunted in your growth. If you're trying to just get back to where you were year three of your faith, you're missing the points. God's trying to call you out further than that, deeper than that, more mature than that. If you're looking back to how the church was year three of your faith and you think that's how things should be, be very careful. Because 25 years later now as a 50-something, if you went back into that church, you may not have been able to stick around because things change, right? You've changed. The point is, is that's okay. 
That's normal. That's the arc of maturity in the Christian world, in the Christian faith, and in the church, in the congregation. Are you with me right there? So let's figure out how to bring the good from our past forward, take it with us, but also wrestle and re-examine and, and relearn and adapt and mature and evolve and transform and renew to become more like Jesus. Yeah. And if we're going to love one another, we have to love each other through that change. We have to love each other through the changes that you're going to have individually. You are not the person you were in this community 10 years ago or five years ago or maybe even a year ago. Man, the last couple of years have done a lot of transformation for some of us, right? Yeah. And in the same way, our relationship to even the whole congregation as a church, we've got to be open and adaptive to change. Change brings things up for us, though, doesn't it? For some of us, we love change. Usually it's the younger Demographic that loves change. Uh, for some of us, though, change is, it brings on a lot of fear. Where's this whole thing going? What are we doing? What does it mean for me? It can bring up insecurities, right? Jesus came and changed a lot, though. Like literally the arc of our time, the, the, our whole history transformed because of the life of Jesus. And every time somebody writes a check, or puts, you know, celebrates their birthday, they're celebrating the life of Jesus that transformed history. Right. And then he changed his disciples who changed a lot. They changed a lot of the world around them. The church in Acts 2 was not the same church in Acts 28. Even in their lifetime, the church transformed. It changed. It kept evolving. It kept renewing. There was transformation happening. Why? Because they were following the spirit of Jesus. And it's not a stagnant spirit. Jesus is not stagnant. The church is not meant to be stagnant. The mission is not stagnant. And so we've got to adapt. We've got to grow. We've got to be willing to adapt along with the church. We say things sometimes like, we want to get younger as a congregation. That was said to us a lot of when we were interviewing for this position. Well, we really like with the congregation to get younger. We want to, we want to reach more young people. But just don't change anything that we do. Like, don't, let's not adjust anything. But we want to get younger. Have you felt any of that, right? Um, and well, why, I, I, Tom, probably have driven Tom crazy asking, why do we do things this way? And why is it this way? And why is it that way? He's like, stop asking. No, he, he's been very gracious with me, very, very willing to have long conversations that I'm sure he wished were shorter with me. Um, but, but one of the things, I, you know, asking, why do we do things this way? And I've asked many of us. And a lot of times, it, you know, the, it kind of, Hits us like a deer in the headlights a little bit. Well, this is just the way we've always done it. This is the way we did it when I first became a Christian. And so we've been doing it that way for a long time. I guess that's the way it's supposed to be done. Um, and then when, when, we, when sometimes when change comes up, we get a little fearful. Like, are we just throwing out all the standards here? Like, are we just, are we getting rid of everything? Or what's going on here, right? Like, it's like, no, we're just talking about doing small groups differently. Right? It's going to be Okay. Change is okay. We're going to be all right. If you're a Christian, you should be used to change. And if you're in a congregation of Christians who are following Jesus, it should keep changing. Things change. How we study the Bible with people will change over time, believe it or not. How, how Dating practices among single people already have changed. We don't even have to worry about that. They've changed already on their own. Um, what songs we sing will change over time. 
you know, how we do small groups will change. Uh, and, and, and look, we, we, we know that outside the church, things change all the time. The economy changes, right? The political powers change. The world relationships change. And, and there's a part of us, I think, often, we just want the church to stay the same. Just be a consistent thing. Don't change. Just stay static. Just keep doing, keep the colors the same. Keep the, you know, like the logo the same. Keep everything the same. Let's see, do the same liturgy every Sunday. Let's do the same songs because this makes me feel safe. Sameness. I would say in New England, we might like sameness a little bit more than most places in the country. Because yes. we've settled. Yes. Things, houses were built 300 years ago. Yeah. We're like, we don't have any room to change that. Sorry. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? So there's just a cultural norm even in New England of like, we go to the same Greasy Spoon Diner that's been open for the last 60 years and don't try to bring anything too new into town. You know what I'm talking about? Um, we like sameness. But, and then yet we sing songs like, life is filled with swift transition, right? We're like, but just not for me, you know? Like, don't let that be my story, God. I want sameness, right? Um, but in the reality of change, in the reality of change, we have to hold on to what doesn't change. And this is important because there are things that don't change. And Jesus, in preparing his disciples for the most dramatic change of their lives, would focus them, would center them around the things that don't change. Can we look at that together? Let's look at John Chapter 15. John 15 in verse 1. This is Jesus preparing his disciples for him to go to the cross. For the most dramatic change of their lives. Life-altering, apocalyptic, world-ending, new world-beginning moment. And he's preparing them. In change, here's what doesn't change. John 15, verse 1, he says, I am the true vine. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other, as I have loved you. Greater love has, this than, has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do 
what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for that is what you are. For everything that I've learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you may go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Again, Jesus is preparing his disciples. These are the men who had followed his teachings. But more than just following his teachings on Torah, they have tried to imitate his way of life. They tried to practice being like him, being imitators of him. And they're about to witness his death his resurrection, and his ascension. And he he brings them to some central truths that will carry them through that transition and carry them through the transition of the church as he goes on to be with the Father and they follow the Spirit. The first thing he says is, remain in me. He says, I'm the vine. That's not going to change. That's it. So remain in me. Hold on to my teachings. You will only survive if you're connected to Jesus, he says. In fact, he says, you can do nothing apart from Jesus. Remain in him. You and I, we can't can't serve, we can't grow, we can't mature, we can't love apart from Jesus. That never changes. That's never going to change. We have to remain in him. Second, he says, obey his commands. You stay, you and I, we stay connected to the teaching, to the vine by staying in the teachings of Jesus, by obeying the teachings of Jesus, by holding on to the teachings of Jesus, your master. We obey his commands. Can I have an amen to that? This is how you remain in the vine. We obey. We remain. And this is the central command he gives. Not that we ignore the others, but but this is the command that is central to all these commands. Obeying in him or obeying him and remaining in him. It's to love each other. So this is not an individual like I'm just going to obey God on my own outside of people and remain in Jesus. No, he says, you obey my commands, you remain in me, you act like me, you imitate the kind of friendship I am to you by loving each other. Mm -hmm. You can't remain in Jesus without other people. You can't remain in Jesus without loving others the way Jesus loves. So there's this reciprocal relationship of loving and remaining in Jesus. We remain in Jesus by loving others, and we love others by remaining in Jesus. And I love what Christian talked about last week, like even just in forgiveness. How do we love others? We've got to be so secure in God's love for us. That's the only way we can love others. How do we get secure in God's love for us? We practice forgiveness in loving others. Do you know what I'm saying? There is a recipient. They go hand in hand. So it's not like chicken before the egg kind of a scenario. We're like, which one do I have to do first, right? Do I have to read my Bible and like remember this stuff and then I start loving people? No, it's like love. It all works together. It's remaining in Jesus. We've got to practice along with all the other teachings of Jesus, this this command to love one another, to stay in the vine. 
In the reality of change, we have to hold on to what does not change. And what does not change for disciples of Jesus is that we obey Jesus and we love people. We may sing different songs. Small groups may look different. The way we do church may may be different over time. But what does not change is we obey Jesus and we love people. That's it. That's all. That, that's not going to stop. Amen. Thank you for the one golf clap. That was very encouraging. <laughs> <laughs> but if we do this individually, if we do this individually and as a community, we will actually grow through transition. Not that it won't be hard. Not that it won't be painful. Not that we won't have years like 2020 again or 2021 again. Or 2022 again, or whatever year it was, right? You're going to have those years again. Guess what? There's a new, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to do some electing of some people next year. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's coming. Yeah. How do we grow through transitions? Yep. We obey Jesus. We love people. It. It's never going to change. The church may get younger. You obey Jesus. You love people. The church may get bigger or smaller. You obey Jesus. You love people. Yeah. This, is our, this is eternally our command to remain in Jesus. Okay, so I, gotta, I just follow my notes here. Thank you for being patient with me. Um, you and I don't transform or grow to be more like Jesus haphazardly, though. This is really important because we have seen transition take people out because they weren't training in the way of Jesus before the transition, before the storm. They weren't practicing the teachings. Do you know what he talks about in Matthew 7, right? You practice the teachings. You obey the teachings. This is not you just learn and memorize the teachings. That's not going to get you through the transition. That's not going to mature you. He says, no, you practice, you obey, you build a house that stands firm in the midst of transition. And we have seen people, all of us have witnessed people fall from their relationship with God through transition. Whether it was in the church or outside the church, whatever it was going on in their lives, transition took them out because they were haphazard about their training. And so Jesus calls us to something that is more than that, to being intentional about our training, to train, to train to become like him. And this is where most people stop in the Christian journey. They want to come to church. Feels good to come to church. Makes them feel better, a little bit better about themselves that they made it to church. Like, whew, a little lotion for my, you know, guilty soul, right? Feels good. But then actually obeying what Jesus says, ah, uh, I like coming to church, and I like that the church makes me feel good, and I like that the church does the things that I like to do. Um, But when you actually think about what Jesus is calling you to, you don't transform through information download. Like, it'll help. We all love a good podcast, right? Feel a little smarter after you listen to a podcast, right? You're like, I got some good information. I feel better. Didn't change anything about my life. But now that I know some things, I feel a little bit better, right? It's not until you actually start practicing the things that you start changing. 
where you start training. Um, is there a way to think about this kind of intentional training in the way of Jesus? Yes. In fact, Christians for thousands of years have gone about this and laid a ton of groundwork. And Galen, I'm sorry, we're going to talk about the rule of life. <laughs> uh, I promise it's going to get more and more clear as, things, as we go. I promise. Um, this is a gift from the monastic movements that people, Christians have been practicing this thing for hundreds, thousands of years, intentionally training themselves in the way of Jesus. And so we can learn from that. We don't have to do everything that they do. We can keep adapting, keep growing, keep maturing, but we can learn from groundwork that's already been laid in this, in this way of training to be like Jesus. Now, I just want to set a couple of things off the bat. It's rule of life, not rules of life. We love rules. Like, we're like, I hate rules. But actually, we love rules because they make us feel safe. I know exactly what's right, what's wrong, who's in, who's out, what time, all that stuff, right? This is not rules. This is a rule of life, a way in which to kind of measure the training of your life, measure the formation that you undergo, a way to sit under the rule of Jesus over time with lots of grace, but with his truth, Applied over and over and over. Um, the idea behind this is it's kind of like a trellis. So John 15, Jesus talks about the vine, right? Um, and the fruit that grows on the vine, right? And, 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 and that if we remain in the vine, we will grow. And so the idea, you guys know what a trellis is? Yeah. Right? It's the thing that holds up a vine. Maybe you've seen them in archways or whatever. They're holding up rose bushes or whatever. But the point of a trellis is to actually help the vine grow and flourish so that the fruit can flourish. Does that make sense? Yeah. We don't eat the trellis. <laughs> the trellis is not the point. A healthy vine is the point. And so in the same way, a rule of life, and what we're going to talk about, the rule of life, the things that go into the rule of life are not the point. They're just there to hold up our growth in Jesus. They're spiritual disciplines, spiritual practices that hold up our growth so that we can flourish in Jesus. But we've got to be intentional about them. And that's the point. Okay, so a couple of things. Uh, that go into a rule of life. This is not an extensive list. This is just a simple one to get us started on the idea. Scripture is a good thing to have in your rule of life. Daily time, weekly time. Right now, we're, we're gathering together. We open the Bible together. That's a part of your rhythm of life. That's a part of your rule of life already. Church is a part of your rule of life. Congratulations. You already got something down, right? You're already doing something. <laughs> Um, but, but scripture, study, mem uh, meditation, memorization, ingesting the word of God, obeying the commands. This is part of your rule of life. Prayer. Jesus teaches prayer in Matthew uh, 6. He says, you know, it's, this is a daily way to pray. Give us today our daily bread. Jesus had a daily prayer life with God. Having a daily prayer. Multiple times. I have different kinds of prayers. I pray in the morning in a certain way. I pray throughout the day in certain ways. I close my day in certain ways with prayer. But daily praying, uh, silence and solitude, You're just getting away, getting, removing the noise, getting the phone off of your desk, getting the phone, leaving the phone at home and going for a walk, being alone, just being with God. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places, it says. It was part of his rule of life. Um, 
Journaling helps people. Rest, Sabbath, slowing down, intentionally resting. You want to try to discipline yourself at something? Try to discipline yourself in not doing something. Like, try to discipline yourself in going, I'm not going to be productive and get all my affirmation from what I do today. But I'm going to rest in God, delight in my relationship with God and all the good things that he gives me, contemplate him for 24 hours, and just be with God. Try to do that on a weekly basis. See if it doesn't feel like a discipline. But what is it shaping you over time? Um, Friendships. Man, some of us are just so busy. We don't even have time for meaningful friendships. And we don't build it in. Like next Tuesday after, oh, I can't do next Tuesday. Uh, let's, let's text in two weeks and see if next Thursday, the Thursday after that will work. And, uh, do you know what I'm talking about? It just doesn't get, and we're just missing out on friendships. We're going from thing to thing to thing to thing to thing. We're plugging in the earbuds in between because we can't deal to be with ourselves for alone for a little bit. So we've got to keep the information going in. And then we go and we Netflix at night and we've got to go back to bed and start all over again because it's just so much. And we miss out on meaningful connections with friends. Jesus, Jesus had the kind of friendship with the disciples. They were like, I'm going to just lean on Jesus right now. I'm going to recline on Jesus. They had long meals together. They hung out. Do you have room in your rule of life, in your practice, your rhythms, your habits for friendships? If you don't, you may not be forming to become more like Jesus. You may be learning more about Jesus, memorizing more scripture, busy with Christian activity, but not actually becoming more like Jesus. Um, Recreation. You know, Jesus was a hiker. We had some family in town this week from Peru, and, you know, they were talking about, like, why do Americans like to hike so much? I'm like, I think it's just all the stress we undergo. We need to, like, disconnect from, you know, and get out and... Um, it's, but, but Jesus often, you know, he spent time in the wilderness. He got out. He went for long walks. He took his friends boating and fishing and doing all the things. Like, having some fun is a part of the way of Jesus, too. Yeah. yeah, how about that? Like, do you have a rhythm of recreation and fun in your life? That'll help you become more like Jesus. You know, Jesus, I, I, would, I bet you Jesus had some pretty good jokes. Like, he could chop it up, right? Um. Simplicity. Simplicity is not giving in to the materialism and the consumerism of our day. That more is more. We follow a a rabbi who gave up everything. Relied on strangers. But, But he lived a simple life so that he could have margin. He didn't always have to work because... He didn't have all the bills to pay. Some of us have overextended ourselves quite a bit in this materialism, in the consumerism, the keeping up, and the insecurity that if I don't have, I will not amount to. And now we're, we're tethered. We're like slaves to, our, to money. It's, not, we're, it's our master. It's, we're not its master. And we don't even have room for generosity because we've got to keep going. Jesus had room to give, to give away. And so as Christians, is there a rhythm of giving? Giving financially, giving time, giving space, giving margin in your life to be interrupted, to be disrupted, to have your calendar changed a little bit, to make room for people, to love people. Mission. Mission is a part of Jesus' discipleship, part of his rule of life. 
when he went, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. To heal, to bind up. Is mission a part of your Christian life even? Is there a rhythm to it? Discipleship. Discipleship is what we, we offer discipleship to the world. We're called to disciple the nations, not just one another. But actually to live in such a way that we teach others how to follow Jesus. Not just with our words of what we memorize or with a little, you know, clever invite, but actually with how we live and love them and invite them in. And then actually discipleship is supposed to happen in our lives as well. We're supposed to continue to teach each other and walk with one another, encourage one another, pray with one another, confess to one another, admonish one another, correct each other. Like we're, there's a lot of one another passages. They all come down to loving one another, but we're supposed to have a discipleship in each other's lives. Is that a part of your rhythm of life? Is it even a part of your rhythm of life, Christian? Disciple of Jesus. Hospitality is a part of the mission of God. To, to welcome in the other. Not to entertain, not just to have guests who are friends in your house, but to welcome in the other and to make space at the table and to say, hey, there's room for you. And actually, I'm going to perform the gospel by breaking bread and offering solidarity with you. And saying, I love you. You're welcome here. You have access to this table. Is hospitality a part of your life? Justice, leveling things. This is not enacting justice like judicial system kind of justice. <laughs> Biblical justice, when we think of justice, because of our, our worldview and our time and our generation, we think of like judge and law and lawyers and all this. That's not the justice of the Bible. The justice of the Bible was a leveling justice. How do we level the playing field for people? Not because somebody above us is forcing us to do it, by the way. And not because somebody underneath us, whatever we perceive is underneath us, is guilting us out to do it, by the way. But because we follow Jesus, who leveled the playing field for people on his own, who made room for people who could not access worship to go and worship. He would heal them and then he'd say, go worship. I just made a way for you to go worship because you couldn't before. And now I'm I'm leveling things for you so that you can go worship. Do we do justice? Do we serve? Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to land the plane, I promise. But these are things that go into our daily, our weekly, our monthly, our yearly rhythms. Now, I want to just say this for all of those who lean rule-oriented. You don't have to do all of this, okay? That's not the point. Actually, the point is that there's probably a lot you do you should do less of. But you should be more intentional about actually doing the things of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus. Am I making sense right there? Um, you know, daily practices of study and prayer, silence and solitude. It could be three minutes in the morning. We had a time on, uh, at staff this week where we just had silence for three minutes. You should have seen us all squirming. We, like, couldn't, we didn't know what to do with ourselves for three minutes. Felt like eternity to sit in silence for three minutes and just try to contemplate God. Try it this week. But practice that for 10 years. What's that going to shape in you? What kind of person of love are you going to become? person who's able to give attention, not distracted in two places at once all the time, but actually able to be present. 
Listen well. Love well. Service. Serving. Man, we have an incredible church of servants. But it's a lot of the same servants doing most of the serving. There's a lot of us who don't serve. We, We come, we eat at the table, but we don't actually contribute service to our brothers and sisters, to the world around us. Serving. Um, margin, we talked about that during the weekly. You know, you might take a, a, a weekly Sabbath. You might have weekly worship like this. We talked about some of those things. Monthly, maybe, you know, your small group is a discipleship place for you. Yearly vacations, retreats, giving. Some of us go on hope brigades. We go on these hope. We've got, I think, five Younger people, I don't know if they're all campus or they're all youth and family. They might mostly be youth and family. They're all teens, five teens, taking part of their summer break this year, raising funds to go and serve all around the world. Just to go to try to do justice and offer service to people. It's going to transform them. But we need more than that. We need, we need a regular practice of these kind of things yeah. to become like Jesus, to, to, tra- to train enough that the transitions don't throw us, that we can obey Jesus and love others well. Um, I'll send a, uh, an email out this week with some of this stuff on it and, and a little worksheet for you if you're interested more in the rule of life. I'm not trying to get you into the weeds of this right now, but um, the point is this. For those of us, again, who lean more towards the rules, it's not about performance. It's not about perfection. It's about being purposeful. Being purposeful in the person you become over time. You are becoming someone. You're becoming someone over time through the rhythms and practices of your life. Are they intentionally the rhythms and practices of Jesus? Because obeying Jesus and loving other people is never going to change. So we've got to be really intentional about that. Um, I love this quote from Dallas Willard. He says, discipleship is the process of becoming who Jesus would be if he were you. This will look differently. You will have a different rule of life compared to the person sitting next to you. You may be a single mother. You may be a retired couple. You may be a a college student. You may be a single person just getting your career started. Your rule of life can look different than the next person's. That's okay. And then your rule of life in your season of life should look different. Like, my rule of life changes every little bit because things change. And so we got to be flexible even with that. This is not about rules. This is the rule of life. This is intentionally forming ourselves to be more like Jesus. The disciples did not expect the change that was coming. They didn't know what was happening. He's like, I'm going to go. I'm going to hand myself over. I'll die. I'll be resurrected. They're like, got it. When are you going to take the throne, though, and then we're all going to lead with you? When's that happening? Like, they didn't get it. They didn't know what was coming. But he was preparing them, as things change, to hold on to the things that don't change. Are you prepared? Are you training? Are you building your house on the rock? Is your rhythm and your practice, your rule of life, training you to become more like Jesus so that you can be a person of love, increasingly so over the course of your lifetime? That is your goal, to transform, to renew, to become more like the image of your creator. And by the way, that transformation doesn't happen just through reading your Bible and getting more information again, right? This is why Paul says we offer our bodies 
There's a practice that goes into transforming. There's a practice of our bodies that goes into our worship that helps us become more like Jesus. The early church was incredibly adaptive, incredibly innovative. The whole letter writing thing and what we did with that in the early church, that was innovation. Compiling the Bible, that was innovation. We've got to be open to innovation, open to changing, to trying new things. The strength of innovation is that it forces you to grow and to trust God and to try new things. The downside of innovation, right, is that if all you do is innovate and try new things all the time, you get spiritual ADHD and you never really focus on anything and you never get anywhere, right? The strength of consistency is that it deepens you. It matures you. You get more into the nuances of things. The downside of consistency is that very quickly the things you try can become traditions that don't change. And it's just the way we do it. And so we've got to wrestle with that balance to discern what is pleasing and right in order to worship God well. But we are called to transform, to become people who love, uh, to become people like Jesus. And there are, no short, there are no shortcuts to that process. It's great that you're here. It's fantastic. If you've been baptized, it is amazing that you've been baptized. You've received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Amazing. God has set you up for success. But you're called to train to become like your master. Not just to consume Christian organization. Not just to get information. But to transform through training to be like Jesus. What is your rule of life shaping you to become right now? Can you get rid of some things that just don't need to be in there? Can you intentionally, purposely put some things that are more like Jesus to, be, to help shape you to be more like Jesus? Because again, obeying Jesus and loving people, never going to change. So we've got to be really intentional about that. This is the truth that we base our lives on, that we build our lives on. And in that truth, in that practice of trusting Jesus, of obeying Jesus, and loving other people, we're going to, you know, there's a lot that's come up for us. People have asked a lot of questions. How do I deal with this? We've got to keep obeying Jesus, keep loving people. It's going to be time. It's not going to be quick. Mm-hmm. And we love things to change quickly. But actually, maturity is, is slower than that. Um, we, we've got to get comfortable with that as well. With sticking to it, staying at it. Not giving up too soon. Um, I think that's all I have to say. Love you guys. Yeah.